Okay. Welcome back. We got all the all the jitters out and we're ready to roll here. Uh, welcome back to Act Root to Fruit. My name is Marcel Tassara and I am working to dig into the roots of the contextual behavioral sciences so that uh, the fruit that we deliver, uh, the fruit that I deliver and, and all us burgeoning third waivers deliver is as pristine as possible and precise. So, uh, so today I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have Dr. Evie Gould joining me to, to talk about some of these, some of these roots. Thanks for, thanks for being here with me. I am uh, on, a, on a quest to, to be, get some guidance from some experts and uh, how'd you like that word, expert, Evie? A lot of uncomfortable things showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just thinking, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and you are from the land of RFT. Depends what that, no, if you mean Ireland, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's quite funny, actually, because I got, I, I feel very lucky to have been introduced to RFT, actually, in my undergraduate program, oh, wow. which I think is pretty unique. And that would have been um, 20 years ago ish wow. Wow. <laughs> but by, I had the privilege of getting Dennis O'Hora I was a, a I guess a visiting professor doing something at the University of Ulster and got to select an advanced ABA class that was all RFT based which was amazing there was only I think probably five of us in the whole class in the class <laughs> um, but yeah the, I guess so yes I guess that's true in a, in a way in a way wow that's 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 amazing I uh yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, let me introduce you before we continue on to, to all of those who, who aren't familiar with, with you. And um, so you are a uh, clinical associate at McLean Hospital at Harvard and a research associate at, at Harvard Medical School. Do some training for clinicians, um, in uh, especially BCBA clinicians, and have recently focused on uh, compassion, teaching compassion to, to yeah. BCBA folks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's yeah, true. Um, Compassionate care or relational skills, I would call okay. it, I guess, relationship building. It's very yeah. interesting. And I stumbled there, I wanted to say, in terms of your research at, um, at Harvard Medical School, you're looking at treatment evaluation for kids with OCD and also uh, training complex skill acquisition to, to uh, adolescents and children with autism. Yeah, so um, McLean is it's primarily uh, child and adolescent psychiatry, but I do I've always had a fit in research, and so actually most of my research ends up being done with collaborate in collaboration with people outside of my workplace. Mm -hmm. um, but Lisa Coyne is very I'm lucky to work with Lisa Coyne in turn. Mm -hmm. She's very interested in research, so I just tag along. Basically, I just tag along with whatever she's doing. Yeah. Um, and then on my side part, my behavioral analysis side, I do my own research with colleagues, and that tends to be treatment evaluation research with. Uh, around parents, interventions, skill acquisition in autism, mm -hmm. um, and um, ACT-based interventions for staff. I'm, I'm very lucky to be getting asked to be on people's dissertation <laughs> committees, which is super fun for me, and seeing the cool stuff that um, a lot of the students are doing in the behavior analysis program, particularly at the Chicago School, actually. There's the really cool ACT stuff going on. But yes, recently, I just I was doing a study with Dr. Louisa Canyon on relationship building skills. Like, how do we train? Actually, and, I think primarily like, I'm a clinician, though, Marcel. You're a clinician. So yeah, okay. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so research I, is like a part of what I do, but mainly. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mention that you're at New England Center for OCD and Anxiety, which uh, mm -hmm. is with, with uh, Lisa Coyne. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, some, so I'm wondering, how do you think that encountering RFT so early in your BCBA journey? You know, I fell in love with ABA first, also due to luck, kind of luck of managing to get a practicum placement in the States mm-hmm. uh, during my undergraduate degree. But I had just wanted to go to the States. It had nothing to do with me wanting to do ABA <laughs> or okay. anything to do with favor analysis. I was just like, I want to get out of here, Northern Ireland and go to America. Mm-hmm. Um, and was introduced to um, Trevor Stokes at University of South Florida, who was working in a learning, he'd formed a learning behavior clinic there mm-hmm. in the Shriners Hospital. So this was a very cool clinic that was getting the referrals from like nurses or doctors within the orthopedic hospital for kids um, where they were noticing, you know, treatment compliance issues or learning disabilities that were interfering with the kids' progress and treatment or behavioral issues either related to um, autism or something like that or related to trauma. Maybe, you know, some of the kids who came to our clinic had experienced some traumatic event that had resulted in them ending up in this hospital. And there was a lot of um, mental health issues that came along with that, for example, or family issues and things like that. So it was a really cool clinic to be thrown into and then just got to follow him around and was like, what, what is this? Because I was in a psychology degree, a general okay. psychology degree, and had not really come across ABA except in the context of rats and pigeons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually had a rat lab at the University of Ulster at the time okay. and had done some stuff in there. Yeah. But I dismissed it as like mathematical, like rats and pigeons, like schedules of reinforcement, don't really, mm-hmm. not interesting. Mm-hmm. And then to be thrown into this clinic and be like, what is this? What is this amazingly powerful thing that's happening here where these hopeless cases are coming in the door and being given hope and these families leave um, with a sense that things can be better and to watch the transformation that was happening with those families was just so astounding to me and this idea this compassionate really compassionate idea that everybody's behavior makes sense Mm -hmm. given the context given Mm. their history everyone's doing the best they can given that and also the humility of the ABA approach that humility of everyone is being governed by the same principles here like we're not better than our clients we're not experts we're equally human in the soup together and we're all trying to figure this out and that everybody can change right nobody's a slave to their Mm -hmm. diagnosis Um, right and I just had never encountered that within psychology before I had you know certainly read poetry and (laughs) books the wisdom of others outside of Mm -hmm. like um, psychology but it blew my mind and so I was just like I want to be part of that team that's Mm -hmm. like what I want (laughs) to be part of Um, and then managed to come back and saw Dennis's course and was like oh I'll sign up for that (laughs) and he blew my mind again because he presented um RFT, but very much in the context of Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland, as you may or may not know, should know, but we've had conflict. We had conflict there for a long time mm-hmm. and still have difficult, still have um, problems with sectarianism there. But he was presenting RFT in terms of how we could understand prejudice in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and conflict in Northern Ireland, um, stigma and um, stereotyping and things like that. And I... I just thought 
it was un unbelievably fascinating and very cool and very cool to think like wow if we can unpack this from this behavioral perspective then we could do something about it yeah. um and he didn't really talk about act but he did i think he did mention it because when i went to my master's degree later um at bangor university we were very lucky to have a course in clinical behavior analysis course, I think, or something. We, we read the ACT book and we talked about RFT. Uh -huh. So I think I just was inspired in terms of understanding that behavior analysis could, could tackle really complex problems that human and, beings were uh, having. On that note, I'm wondering, when you, do your, when, you, when you train, how important do you think it is for your trainees to accept thoughts and in uh, covert, you know, in things that are happening inside as behavior? How important is that? Um, I think it's, a, for me, I think it's extremely important to be consistent um, in your perspective, your philosophy or perspective on how everything works. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can't, I can't, um, as, a, as for me, as a behavior analyst, I cannot have thoughts and feelings existing in some other realm or some other, uh, you know, that somehow private events, so to speak, um, are something different from <laughs> other kinds of stimuli or behavior. No. Like that doesn't work for me as a behavior analyst. It creates a whole bunch of problems. Because people so, get tripped up yeah. on this, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a big sticking point, I think, for a lot of people uh, uh, metabolizing mm -hmm. behaviorism. Yeah, and I, I, I totally understand. I mean, I think I understand that. I guess I can't, I was going to say, I totally understand that. I guess I can't say that because I can only also look at this from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I am a very pure, pretty pure behaviorist. Yeah. So I can't really look at this from a different perspective, if that makes sense. But mm -hmm. I think I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if some of the reasons for that are... Um, De the demystification that happens uh, um, or that do people, I wonder, do people struggle with the idea that humans aren't special <laughs> or that thoughts and feelings aren't special mm. in, in any way? Or is it like, I'd be curious actually just to talk about for you to tell me what you think about that. Um, I no. mean, I do, and I'm having all kinds of thoughts right now, Marcel, about yeah. even because I don't actually believe in, public and private <laughs> i don't as a for me as a behavior okay. analyst i i think the, the private distinction is purely a pragmatic one but even mm -hmm. then i'm sort of uh, i think we run into issues of dualism there when we start talking about public and private events because mm -hmm. we're implying that mm -hmm. there's thoughts and feelings are happening in some other mm -hmm. domain and that they're not accessible they're magical in some way special different i see um and i don't really i don't really find that useful when I'm working specifically, when I'm working with highly verbal um, humans. Um, what's, really so suffering. what's the danger there for you? What do you think is problematic about well, that? Well, I think it paralyzes me as a clinician because if I'm obsessed with thinking I have to get inside someone's head and have to somehow find a way to figure out what they're thinking and feeling or get at something that's happening inside the organism, um, I'm really stuck as to what I can do or can't do. And I'm fully reliant on um, the person telling me and then me assuming mm. function based off what they're saying. I think there's things like that show up for me. Whereas if I can, um, if I don't 
if I think there is no such thing as private events, that the whole organism is behaving in their context, right? The whole organism thinks the whole, like the, that thinking, I think this is a Linda Hayes is I'm pretty sure or Mitch Fanning, but that thinking inside your brain is like saying walking happens inside your legs, right? The mm -hmm. whole organism engages in a walking behavior through, mm -hmm. life, through their life or whatever. So the whole organism is involved in thinking. Um, and so I can observe that, right? There's things I can observe. I can, I can look at you right now and I can tell you're thinking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I might not exactly know what you're thinking mm -hmm. content wise, but function wise, I could observe how it's impacting your behavior. I can see yeah. your eyes moving. I can see your kind of head moving, tilting in this mm -hmm. way. I can tell, I can see you smiling now <laughs> at me that there's curiosity there. And as I get to know you, I can probably start to <laughs> hypothesize a bit more about what you're actually thinking. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much more as a clinician when I stand back and go, okay, I'm going to observe what I can observe and I'm going to respond to that. And I can observe what I'm experiencing too in the relational piece um, and experiencing those functions in the room that I, there's much more that I can do, right? There's much more that I can choose to say or choose to choose to, as Emily would say, like shift the context in some way. I can okay. put something in the room. Yeah. Um, manipulate the situation to try and get more behavior happening does that yeah yeah you, you know it brings up for me it's, it's kind but. of like i guess um you know uh at the where i where i live there's a, a baseball team and at the at the stadium they sell uh mm -hmm. you know sausages we are we're mm -hmm. german lots of german uh, culture here uh, bratwursts and mm -hmm. and there's a sauce there called the secret sauce and uh and so the idea is there's some stuff in there you can't really mm -hmm. know and I guess what I'm hearing you say is it's just more about appreciating mm -hmm. the sauce rather than kind of working to figure out what's the secret ingredient. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you, sh you wouldn't ever want to know what's in the sauce. I think it's just that, well, I guess it's a little different because what I'm saying is you can't separate, you can't separate the thoughts from the rest of what's happening like you're being stimulated and you're responding at the same time mm -hmm. in lots of different ways ways that you're not conscious of and otherwise and so i i think you know we can i'm having thoughts about like contingencies because you asked about contingencies mm -hmm. but just how we chop up <laughs> this there's this whole behavioral stream right this whole thing that's happening and we chop it up and try to pick parts out of it to look at because we can't look at all of it at once so i don't know where am i going with this i guess i'm uh, that's a sort of a good metaphor but not quite working for me because the sauce the secret sauce makes the sauce back to you as far as what i'm hearing is that mm -hmm. um there's things going on inside and mm -hmm. as long as we prioritize that over what's actually happening, it could be a little bit dangerous. Is that, is that what might maybe happens clinically? If it's like this, this kind of dualistic thing that I need to unearth yeah. inside? I think you're going to miss a lot of important stuff. You are in danger of putting the problem again back inside the person, which is mentalistic. Yeah. <laughs> you're in yeah. danger of um, thinking I have to, yeah, I have to get at this thing inside this person in order to fix this problem, or yeah. I can't understand what's going yeah. on. I can't observe. I can't, we can't observe. So, or, or like the behaviorists who just, you know, 
we're, <laughs> people think this about us, which is not completely true, but that behaviorists just don't deal with thoughts and feelings because we can't, we can't measure them. Um, and that's a huge problem because then you have a behavior analysis or an ABA where you don't consider a person's thoughts or feelings, which is problematic. I think I lost you. Uh-oh. And so, so when you're, when you're working with someone, I'm just wondering, like, how is it helpful uh-huh. for you to, I'm not, and not, not necessarily say this, but just the way that you interact with someone clinically, mm-hmm. how is it helpful mm-hmm. for you to see monism versus dualism? Um, I think the reason that I moved into this way of thinking, and not everyone within behavior analysis even thinks like I do, just to be clear, um, but I was because I would be sat in front of a client who was really, really stuck and I was really stuck and I was thinking, I have no idea what to do. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what there's what, what to do with the, mm-hmm. this feeling or whatever. And yeah. then I thought to myself, it's okay though, because the whole organism is behaving so I can observe there's a whole other bunch of stuff I can observe right Mm -hmm. now that is not Mm -hmm. getting inside their head and trying Mm -hmm. to trying to get at what they're thinking and feeling inside right the stuff I can observe I can observe the whole organism thinking and feeling and and when I was able to do that I was like oh (laughs) now I have stuff I can do I can observe other things in the room to try and tell me what's going on or what I should do next I can observe my own experience and how how the client's behavior is influencing me functionally speaking mm-hmm. um, and I can choose to do something based off that I don't have to I'm, I'm very trapped when I think that I have to get inside the person and put the problem I, again I'm putting the problem inside them right it's what they're thinking that's the problem it's what they're feeling and I need to know what they're thinking and feeling in order to solve this problem um, I get trapped I get stuck I stay stuck the client stays stuck mm-hmm. um, I'm really limiting what I can work with yeah. Um, so I guess that's one way. That's one way I came to really feeling passionate about that is is because I I guess because I choose to and also end up working with very very stuck people. Yeah. And I I was I couldn't I was like I'm I'm having this image of like clipping my wings or straightjacketing myself whenever I start putting the problem back inside them. Yeah. Um, and that makes me think about some of my experiences as a client with therapists who are in that space more, I can yeah. only assume because of how, how they interacted with me and the impact um, of just mind and mind is a mm-hmm. lot, is not as strong yeah. as like just the, the presence. Full that I, presence. Full and presence. Full yeah. relational, like um, behaving in space and you being part of the context as the clinician. Mm-hmm. And I... And there's a lot more information available to you regarding how to how to feel function, feel in inverted commas, um, than just getting the person to tell you what, some words <laughs> about what they're thinking or feeling. Yeah. Um, not that that isn't not that their verbal behavior is important. I, I think that what people say is important, and that's data. <laughs> However, I don't. I I I um will listen to what people are saying, but there's so much more than the words that they're mm-hmm. saying that's important. How they're saying it, the tone, the way they're saying it, what happened before they said, well, what happened before they said that? What happened after? What did I do? What did they do? Why do I, how is that influencing my behavior? What's your body language doing? Where are we right now? Like what's this person's learning history? Like there's so much more going on um, 
that I have available to me mm-hmm. um, than just the words that they might say uh, in terms of what they're thinking, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a very freeing way of um, working and it's much richer and, and the functions you can get at the layers of function better yeah. um, and you're not... And I agree with you. I think that for clients, it feels so much different, right? Instead of me just grilling you about what you're thinking and responding purely to the content of what you're saying, I'm really responding to you as a whole human in this room with me. Yeah. Um, you know, and often I work outside a clinic. I don't just work in a room, I, not in pandemic times, <laughs> but usually, often I'm in the client's home with them mm-hmm. um, and maybe their parents are there as well. Okay. And there's a whole environment that going on there um and i'm observing how they're interacting with others and also you know so i don't i feel like i'm kind of rambling a little bit but i hope that gives you a sense of being able to zoom in and zoom out is another way to put that like i can zoom in and zoom out and look at lots of different things that are going on and and one of the things that's coming up for me is that um you know some people naturally are able to are just gifted with this ability to to do this as a clinician. They don't need to be taught uh, mm-hmm. the, the language, right? And uh, and um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of us, this is a place like mm-hmm. you know what I find in in this this especially FAP. Um, mm-hmm. It's like really breaking down how to develop these skills mm-hmm. and develop the relationship in a in a in a mm-hmm. um, grounded scientifically mm-hmm. grounded way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's showing up for me while you're saying that, Marcel, is um, what I'm talking about is getting actually out of the language-based space and like into my full experience with my senses or mm-hmm. something. Like it's like actually being in contact with all of the contingencies, perhaps. Yeah. And it's very easy when you go to try and learn about this stuff to go back into that language. Like you get mindy about how do I do this, right? How do I do this? What are the rules? How do I, how, how do I become a good observer? Um, How do I analyze this from an RFT perspective? How do I understand the contingencies? Like people get very um, stuck in tangled in the, in, in that. And then they're in their heads when they're in front of the client and not actually um, interacting with, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, that was just, I was thinking, oh, yeah. wow, yeah. So for some people, and I agree with you, some people are very much in present moment when they're working. It's like natural, <laughs> natural. Of course, mm-hmm. I don't believe in that, but they already have that repertoire <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're really good at it. And then there's, and then for others, we have to learn it yeah. and it's really hard. And it's, yeah. you, it's hard initially, I think, because you start getting pulled into that mindy space and you're like, am I doing the thing? Mm-hmm. Am I not doing the thing? Mm-hmm. Um, what does this mean? Is this a frame of, you know, whatever, or is it this, what's happening? And then you're not in the moment at all. Right. So how do we, <laughs> um, so how can yeah. we, how can I, I would like on that note, cause you mentioned this, this magic contingency word, like how can as listeners have been following along, considering this more, what's how can we talk about it in a way that that is quote unquote kind of natural, uh, a kind of natural way to think about this mm-hmm. in the room clinically? Because mm-hmm. because it's important to know what's what what are what's in the context that's controlling the person. Um, I'm having a few thoughts. The first one was, oh no, this is going to be another depends answer. <laughs> um, 
because I was thinking, well, it depends on who I'm talking to, what language I would wrap around that. Okay. Because if I'm talking to, uh, and you know, I work a lot with multidisciplinary clinicians. Mm-hmm. So if I'm talking to a social worker who works in a specific context, I might use, I'm going to use words that I think are going to explain this in a way that speaks to them. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to a psychologist, I might use different words or a behavioral analyst, I might use different words. So that was the first thing I thought. It's like, oh mm-hmm. no, he's going to, he's asking me for rules. <laughs> <laughs> he's asking me for some rules and yeah. I don't, they aren't going to function the same okay. way for everybody okay. who's listening about how I would talk about this. And also, you know, so I don't mean well, that. What goes, as a what, goes through your, what goes through your mind as you're sitting across from someone and you're. The first uh, thing that, well, the second thought that I had, Marcel, okay. and Yes, it relates to what you just said. No, 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 no. You re you like redirected me (laughs) back to the task that you asked me to do. So the other thing that showed up was just this idea of observe being a good observer Uh and um, or a noticer, as we say in the DNAV world. But really, getting I would work very much on that first, probably. So can you? observe the process of thinking your process of thinking can you observe what your what's showing up for you how physiologically um, thought wise can you observe your environment really well can you shift your attention so mindfulness i guess um but very much can you observe the relational like what's happening between you and the client can you observe more than just the topography of their verbal behavior so can you observe more than the words they're saying um do you notice? Do you notice the flow of the behavioral stream? I suppose. Like, can you notice? Um, you know, ask yourself things like, "Huh." Be curious. I guess curiosity. I was thinking earlier when I was talking about behavior analysis and what I love about ABA, but the curiosity repertoire um, of being curious about the function. <laughs> like, whoa. Okay, I was talking about this, and then I noticed this happen. What? What's going on there? Like instead of making assumptions, um, being curious about um, what's happening. So I think I would start there. I think that you can't be a good behavioral analyst without having good observing or assessing skills. Um, and that process of functional assessment that we keep talking about through your podcast, mm-hmm. you can't be good at that if you're not a good observer. But you have okay. to be a good data collector. Yeah. And, you know, and Kelly Wilson talks about this quite beautifully i think in his mindfulness for two book which is one of my Mm. favorite practitioner Mm -hmm. manuals (laughs) but being able to sit in the stream and just observe and look around and shift your attention and notice all all the data that's available to you and then be able to then you can start choosing what to attend to and manipulating the context in that process of function also so by that i mean examples of deciding what i'm going to say this and see what happens or I'm going to move my body like this and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to do something else and see how the client responds to that. That's what I mean. And what Emily, I think, means by manipulating context. Mm-hmm. Um, you're either adding something. So you're saying something or you're doing something um, or you're shifting it in some other way. Um, it could look like asking a question. Um, that's that's also important in analysis and getting data. Um and holding it all lightly. So just, again, holding it lightly in the sense of not getting hooked by content, <laughs> just mm-hmm. observing. Um, so I I would start there. And um, I, Lisa Coyne and I have talked about 
um, how do we, how do you like, actually I'm working with a kid right now. This is kind of a cool. I think I, think I have a kid in my this. window knocking right now. Speaking oh, <laughs> he, want, he wants to say hi. Hi. This is my, this is my son, Misha. Que haces aquí? Bye. So I'm working with this a kid right now, and I'm thinking also this is different ways that I might explain getting in this space that I'm talking about to different kinds of people who don't speak behavior lingo. But mm -hmm. I'm working with a young person right now who is a sport is an athlete, <laughs> and we were talking, I just started working with them and we talked about mindfulness um, in the sense of when you're playing a sport, sports people talk about getting in the flow, mm -hmm. right? Um, DBT people, I think, talk about fully participating, like participation, like being fully at one yeah. with what you're doing. Um, and so that makes me think about what I'm saying <laughs> as being a really good observer and being really present and in the flow or in the um not in the language based space <laughs> mm -hmm. but being in the observer space and that's kind of when i was like lisa coin and i've been talking about that that's i talked to lisa about that when i come out of a session sometimes when i i know when i'm in that i've been in that space mm -hmm. when i've been fully participating in the session i've been really present because i can't necessarily put words <laughs> i can't i come out and i'm like Wow, that was a really yeah that went that was a really good session but i can't tell you exactly what it was mm -hmm. that i did i was so present that i was just yeah. doing it i was in the flow with the client yeah. um but i can kind of say more generally bigger picture i guess functionally kind of what i what was happening but i don't i can't really like narrate mm -hmm. well they said this and then i said that and then because that's so content focused yeah <laughs> um yeah. So I don't I, I don't know if that I feel like I've got off topic a little bit, but yeah, I want to um, just mention that you know I, yeah. those kinds of sessions and that kind of work is so energizing, and when uh -huh. I'm in the content, I, it it drains me much more. Yes, yes, I fully agree. When you're not when you're in the functions <laughs> or just flowing in the flow, mm -hmm. you, um, I agree. It's a it's not as draining and you are just kind of rolling with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what I would that observing observer skill is is where okay. I would start to okay. try because you can't do functional analysis or functional assessment, good functional assessment without being able to be in that space. And to also and of course again I would talk about you are part of the context there. So mm -hmm. you've got to be um working under that kind of assumption that you are part of the process mm -hmm. you're not like a scientist who's in some other you know behind a plexiglass window observing a rat in a cage doing its thing um and i would argue actually that that's still part of the context but it's you know what i mean um we're actually in the room we the, the person is responding to us right mm -hmm. they are um interacting with us and that really matters um so yeah, yeah. those two things i think are really important to start okay. with Okay. I don't know. Given given our, our uh, time right now, I'm wondering mm -hmm. if maybe we could jump into that kind of role play I was talking about. And, and, sure. uh, and I could talk about it and you can ask me what you want to whatever to better understand. And it, depending, you know, on how, how yep. it goes, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll flow with that and then maybe talk about some function afterwards around. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, just uh, my son and I have a, uh, uh, he's got an older sister and, uh, 
I really, really value being present with them and playing with them and giving them my all, you know, being fully, mm-hmm. fully present. And, uh, and I find myself, uh, oftentimes, um, like kind of like yelling at myself for, you know, checking my phone or, or checking my email and not like kind of putting those things aside. And, um, and it's kind of like a battle that goes on inside of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and what am I teaching them? That's one of that's like number one. Like I don't want to be teaching them um, avoidance, you know, mm-hmm. or what, whatever. Just some unhealthy behavior, a way of being in the world. And um, and I, uh, I don't know. I just think about like, well, maybe I should put some like some strict rules, like you know, um, you know, I only check my email once a day, and I, it's during these certain hours. Like kind of like. You know, abstinence, it's like harm reduction versus abstinence approach. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so, uh, um, you know, uh, and also I think it's, it's kind of like this where I'm at in terms of like kind of dethroning my mind and technology so that every time I have a thought or every time I, my device has a blink, I don't need to run to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a kind of a... It's a battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can um, feel the struggle. <laughs> I can feel the struggle as you're talking to me with just, um, you know, on the one hand, you're telling me that this really matters to you, that you spend more t- present time with your kids, but mm-hmm. that you keep getting pulled out of it and hooked. Yeah. Um, and I can feel, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and, 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 and I just want to also mention that it's not just with, you know, if I have a device with me, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, uh, um, I've, I've gone back to a, a semi smartphone because the smart, you know, I just, it was, it was just, that's all I needed. And, uh, uh it, it can just be like if we're at the park across the street and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm just mental, I'm just off, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to be mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm figuring things out and I'm thinking about, you know, all these things I've got going on in my life and I'm not with them. And I want to be, mm-hmm. I want to be with them, you know, mm-hmm. and I know I can't, I know I can't do that a hundred percent of the time. And I think that's, you know, that's like that perfectionist. I have a perfectionist thing in me. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, um, and maybe like I kind of see other parents who are, um, you know, not too present with their children. And then I, and I, you know, I judge them and I'm kind of, maybe that's like part of my inspiration to like, I'm not, that's, that's I don't want to be like that. I want to be, yeah. I want to be here. Yeah. I, I I can feel that like a sense of urgency and in the way that you're trying in the way that you're kind of telling me that this you know I keep getting hooked and I want to be this and I and yeah. it's really hard and I am getting just I'm getting pulled constantly I can feel that and I'm wondering I think I would I would really love to slow down a wee bit and ask you what is it like when you say you want to be more present with your kids like what is it about that that is important to you or what does what does that feel like? Like, is there a time where you felt that you are present with your kids? What does it feel like? What is mm. what what is important to you like that? Uh, well, it's important to me to be like really knowing who they are, and uh, and uh, for them to feel seen and heard and appreciated, and. Uh, and then also just to to have fun. I think they have like so much to teach me about being loose mm-hmm. and just enjoying and 
being in sensations, you know, and uh, playing. And um, so, yeah, I just, I want to, I want to model that for them. And, uh, and maybe there's some components of things that I, I uh, wish I had more of when I was mm -hmm. in their place, you know, and um, uh yeah like and also it's like this 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 like modeling of like you know whether or not i have stuff going on in my own head or in my own life that's not that's not like alpha and omega like i can still be i can still be acting in this value oriented way and i want to show them that yeah so i'm hearing like that there's an important piece of this of you being available to them and you know, supporting their their presence as kids, I guess, like developing their own little personalities and what they, who they are as people. But I'm also hearing, um, or and I'm also hearing that this is important for your quality of life too, that there's something about being present with your kids that feels really important from you, from a, from a richness of your perspective, like your, so it's not just about them, it's about being with them, yes, and also it's a, it's about showing up for yourself, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of hearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm having some thoughts about how easy it would be for me <laughs> to jump in and start trying to problem solve this with you. Mm. <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. You know, and just like you did, right? So at the beginning of talking with me, you were immediately telling me, well, what if I, maybe I could set some boundaries. Maybe I could, maybe I could like only do it this, you know, have my phone put away the rest mm -hmm. of the time and only have it available mm -hmm. to me. So like problem solving. But I'm wondering, um, I guess I'm I'm resisting the urge to, to do that, to join you in that because okay. I'm wondering how how helpful you know i'm thinking like you're a very capable person marcel and if that problem solving was working i'm thinking you wouldn't be talking to me about this right now mm. um so i'm sort of trying to be curious about how i might support you with this value other than problem solving the technology um well, can I, I tell you a, yeah. a brief little story about? Yeah, like, I would how, love how, to hear. Okay. Story. Yeah. Um. You know, my mind is like, kind of like a. It, it likes the word more a lot. It's mm -hmm. you know, um, it's like, oh, I'm enjoying this. I need to get you know, I need to get more. Mm -hmm. And uh, today we were coming back from something we did, the three of us, uh, my myself and my two children, and um, they were in the back seats in the car seats, and I was driving, and and I was kind of, I had some, I know I was noticing my mind kind of like being like, Hey, you should be interacting more. You should be talking mm -hmm. more. You should, you know, mm. and I was just kind of like noticing that. And, um, and then, uh, a couple of minutes later, my daughter said, how did they, how did they like invent numbers and letters? That is the coolest question. <laughs> and I thought, and she's almost five. She's gonna be five here next month. And, and I was like, well, there's my fucking answer, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, my it's like, you know, she had some space to just mm -hmm. think. And, uh, you know, so uh, there was something, there was, there was, uh, it was, it was a really beautiful thing there for me. 
Do you, I know I can almost, I, 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 you're, I also just met your son and he's so, so cute. So I can't okay. even imagine what your daughter's like and how sweet that moment must have been. Yeah. <laughs> and I can, I can feel the sweetness of it as you're talking about it. Um, and the interesting thing about that for me, Marcel, is that was like a tiny moment and you have been talking about how you wanted more, you want more presence in general and this broad, mm. like overwhelming actually demand that you're making of yourself to be more present all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and you didn't literally say that, but that's what I was feeling when you were talking to me. And perhaps it's, I don't know what you think about this, perhaps it's about noticing more of those tiny moments um, and what it might be like to just have more of those little moments throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, I, the, the the word that came up for me as you said that was um, kind of manufacturing versus mm -hmm. allowing. Yeah, yeah. To allow those tiny moments and to be really present for those little tiny <laughs> moments, sweet spots, or think, or whatever mm -hmm. you want to think about them and what that yeah. might be like. And how and, that and, might. And yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. And it it does kind of pull me into a dialogue I've been having with myself a lot lately. And that's like, what is happening in mindfulness? Am I, mm -hmm. am I defending against the stuff I don't want to mm -hmm. do that? I don't want to think about, or am I, I know act is like, let's, we're going to, we're going to fully embrace it and go give it a, you know, wet sloppy hug mm -hmm. and kiss. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if it's, if it, if it, if it, yeah, maybe what's well, the maybe there? What if it is about just being curious and allowing? Like you, I like that word that you used, Marcel. Allowing, or almost like I'm, I'm imagining allowing yourself to just look, look and be curious, and then it isn't about like fully like hugely rushing in or as you know fully embracing i mean you you don't have to i think this is a robin walserism <laughs> crediting we're see see how i'm trying to credit everybody mm -hmm. today after our conversation <laughs> yeah. but um something that struck me about her her way of thinking about act and values was she said um you don't have to you can wade into the pool Right. You don't have mm -hmm. to. What if it's not about jumping in fully mm -hmm. and embracing and hugging and sloppy kissing? Mm -hmm. What if it's about wading in? I mean, you can jump in the deep end if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, you can choose to do that. But what if it's about wading in and pausing and looking and being curious um, and allowing with curiosity, I think. What if it's what if it's that? No. I, yeah. What if? Mm -hmm. I, I I really I really like the idea, and uh, um, just to I don't know my... about you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead, Marcel. I'm just trying to allow my mind to to and my. I just just trying to allow that in. You know, right now, mm -hmm. and uh, and not not. Uh, I'm finding that I I my mind wants me to, you know. Um, say something witty or say something uh, that's capturing what you just said in, in, in the essence and and I'm allowing that to be there too and and just uh, mm -hmm. and uh, absorb mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like what if your kids need rather than you full force jumping into the pool and being like, we got to do all the mindfulness. We got to, I got to be present all the time. You were to just allow those moments or wait in slowly. I don't know what that would, whether that would feel different. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I am just appreciating this, like, uh, curiosity and the gentleness and because uh, there's a certain like the mindfulness that I'm talking about is a very aggressive kind of mm -hmm. mindfulness yeah because mm -hmm. it means that I'm not distracted <laughs> it means that I'm you know yeah and and maybe maybe what I'm gathering it's like it's there's there's some compassion there around being distracted and allowing mm -hmm. allowing for that yep yeah. And that the sense of turning, like noticing and noticing, allowing and choosing. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what I'm wondering as we, as we kind of start to get closer to our end here is, is if it would, do you think it would be helpful as we kind of break, if we break from that, thank you very much for for mm -hmm. jumping, waiting yep. in with me or whatever we did. I, mean, I don't, know if, was, I don't yeah. know if we waited or if we... I don't in. know, or meandered or... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if, 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 if maybe you could just take a few moments to, mm -hmm. to step back and, and do some BCBA stuff around this. Yeah, this I can definitely tell you some things I noticed. Um, so I was noticing my own process very much. So when you started talking about... Uh, you're, you're this challenge that you're having with wanting to be more present with your kids. I, what was showing up for me was thoughts like, oh my God, I'm not, what if I, I don't know, oh no, where's this going? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Ah. Uh -huh. And then I got to fix this, right? So my problem solving. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I named that a little bit, which was purposeful for me because I was trying to get out of that. I was trying to figure out how to um, notice that I was, I want my urge was to help you jump into that problem yeah. solving yeah. mode with you and come up with ways to fix this. And that's that was showing up. So that's partly why I named that um, for you. And I, because I really felt the urgency initially. <laughs> You're like, I got to tell you all things. Mm -hmm. um, so here's my problem. And I tried this. And so I was, I was noticing that and responding to that um, and feeling like, if I responded to that in the problem solving mode, I was probably reinforcing the problem. Like I was probably okay. reinforcing something that you've already been doing over and over, right? You, you, you've probably, you've been thinking about this for a while. <laughs> you've probably been trying to solve this problem for a while. And I, if I jumped into that kind of mode with you, we would just be spinning our wheels and doing more of the same. That was the kind of sense that I got. And so I was trying to see trying to like put down my urges to like uh, all the ways okay. that I, I felt like I wanted to respond, which was yeah. how, well, how you were functioning for me to try and create a space where maybe I could try, I could try and do something different that might make you do something different that okay. might help lead us in like a different way. And I had no idea, you know, what then shows up for me is like, I don't know what to do. If yeah. I don't do that, I don't know what to do. But, and, and so and making, yeah. 
Go ahead. So you're paying attention to the urgency. You're paying just to be really clear. Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, the, the, my my um, my tone, the speed mm-hmm. I'm talking, just the, my my presence. There's a lot of things that you're observing in that. Yes, correct. That I'm, and I'm urgent. And and the way that you're talking, which tells me that you've had this conversation with yourself before or with other people before mm-hmm. that that it felt like um this is not a new thing <laughs> um and noticing how ev- your body language your tone and pitch and the way you're talking and the things you're saying like how they were hooking me like mm-hmm. the fun- how they were functioning for me and i noticed i immediately wanted to like problem solve <laughs> or be like okay so um how often are you attending to your phone like do you mm-hmm. have your phone with you blah 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 maybe you yeah maybe you could try that maybe you try this um that i could get carried along with the content and what was happening there so i was definitely attending to that and attending to my own how it was functioning for me and then thinking okay i need to figure out a way to slow down here and mm-hmm. create a space where we might be able to do something different so we might get some behavioral variability <laughs> we might mm-hmm. be able to disrupt this pattern and um the piece that struck to me i was also thinking about values just as a way to maybe i can ask about that and bring some different functions into the conversation some repetitives as emily mm-hmm. would say mm-hmm. um and that might help me kind of know where to go or to see yeah. what happens um so that was kind of my process but it was very very much and cause i'm anxious too because i'm talking live and thinking having yeah. all these thoughts about like oh my yeah. god i'm gonna be so crap at this uh-huh. and <laughs> i had to do a lot of like yeah willingness to be willingness to be with that stuff yeah. and just like pause and again not not try to fix that either <laughs> like not try to just to to let this flow the way it's going to go and not um and just see what happens like i had to be very much willing to wade into the pool with you and not try to jump in the cold deep end and thrash a bite and like (laughs) try to like fix it and um yeah, so I don't know. Is that is yeah. that helpful? Yes, it's very um, helpful, and, and it's an, I think a really important point about uh, role plays and real plays is that there is a a sense of you know showing something, whereas mm-hmm. in therapy, it's not like you're you're not no. guided by that as much. You don't have right? three minutes to like. <laughs> or right now, <laughs> one. You, you, you got to go right now. So <laughs> so um, thank you so much for for uh, sharing your awesomeness. I really I really appreciate your perspective and uh, and. Uh, and I think it adds a lot to this this voyage that I've been on. It's it's helped me to really unpack some things and see things in a new light. And I'm excited to, to metabolize these. So I'm I'm thank you, very grateful. Thank you, Evie. I'm I'm very honored to be on here with both of our imposter anxiety, yes. all our stuff. <laughs> I think the and, cat is yeah. the most confident. The cat and my yeah. son. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, He's it's all like, good. It's all good. Get me out of here. It's time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so just want to add that uh, Evie is available for consultation. She does consultation, case consultation on ACT and OCD and autism. Um, so I will uh, put a link for your contact at the New England Center. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much. But I'm getting stronger. Bye. Okay, take a piece of me. But I'm getting stronger. They take a piece of me. But
I'm getting stronger They take a piece of me 